What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. This is Connor, the co-host with the most. This week, I am the host with the most, as I'm going to be hosting the episode. And we're going to talk this week about some NFL philosophy debate uh, this week. We're going to talk about first-round QBs and when teams should give up on them or not. We're also going to preview some Week 8 games for you. Got some good matchups on tap. Um, tried to pick a few gems out of the somewhat disappointing week next week. Then we're going to review another fairly disappointing week for the Lockboard. And we're going to close out by going going around the NCAA and talking about some of the crazy news that's been happening recently with the conference realignment that's going on and possibly one conference going extinct. So should be a fun episode, guys. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, everybody? It's Zach here. And yeah, this was uh, this was an interesting week in the NFL. A lot of blowout games. Uh my team was on by, so I was flipping around watching a little bit of every game is what I tried to do. You know, I saw the highlights on a lot, but just a lot of these games weren't even close. Um, but I'm excited to talk about this philosophy debate that Connor mentioned. It's going to be really interesting to see where we stand on it. Um, I've been watching some NBA with that starting up. So sports right now are at a pretty good place for me, and I'm happy with how things are. And what's going on, y'all? Eric, the ranting co-host here, uh, definitely going to be ranting on my lockboard later. Uh, it's not ha- <laughs> you it's and me not- both, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've got a specific thing to talk about with mine, but uh, nevertheless, despite that, still excited to be here. Um, I've been at you know work all day, so I know Connor and Zach kind of planned the episode out together. I'm coming in late here, but. Uh, definitely excited to be a part of it, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Yeah, so we're going to start, as always, by going around the shield, if my freaking PowerPoint would go forward. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so as I mentioned before, we're going to do a football philosophy debate. Uh, we haven't had one of these in a while. Um, kind of in the past, we've done like um, like going for it on fourth down, going for two sort of debate, um, or like which is better, an offensive or defensive-minded head coach. This time, though, we're actually going to talk about first-round quarterbacks. Now, we see it a lot of different things going on with first-round quarterbacks. Some of them get thrown in right away. Some of them start as backups for maybe a few games. Heck, some of them even start out as a backup for a whole season before they come in and start, um, although that is not as common in today's NFL. But what we're here to talk about today is when – is it the right time to give up on your first round quarterback? When is it the time to say, you know what, this pick was a bust and it's time for us to move on, Um, you know, start looking for other options at quarterback. Um, So I've got some pretty famous examples here of um, guys who people who maybe should have been given up on earlier and someone who thankfully their team didn't give up on them. So we got Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Um, Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, obviously from the same draft class. Peyton Manning had a pretty disappointing first few seasons, especially his rookie season. I think he threw something like 28 interceptions, something, some ridiculous number. Um, But the Colts didn't give up on him, and obviously he turned into a Hall of Fame QB. Ryan Leaf, on the other hand, turned into one of the biggest busts in NFL history. Um, I know he spent something like three seasons with the Chargers, which I know a lot of people would argue was too long. They should have gotten rid of him before that. Um, so for me, when it comes down to first round quarterbacks and giving up on them, it's the one thing that's really important for me is kind of the situation in which, and like how you got them. So for example, Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars and Zach Wilson with the Jets this year, like they were drafted in positions where the Jaguars and Jets were up in those slots because they were the two worst teams in the league. There was no trading up. There was no like you know, oh, I'll give you, you know, one of my best players for so I can move up in the draft. There was no like, you know, they were down at pick 20 and moved up to pick 10, kind of like what the Bears did with Justin Fields. Um, So there was none of that going on with them. They were just there because they were the worst two teams. So and I think in that situation, it definitely gives more time for you, in my opinion, to put faith in that quarterback because you didn't have to give up anything to get them. All you did was just have a bad season. And if I had to put maybe like a timetable on it, I'd probably say probably around, 
I'd probably have to give it three seasons, in my opinion, would be how long you need to wait on your first-round quarterback. Kind of like with Daniel Jones, I think, is a good example of this right now. Like, this is his third season as the starting quarterback of the Giants. It's pretty clear that, I mean, we already kind of knew this beforehand, but, you know, it's just being even more so confirmed this year that it's really time for the Giants to move on from Daniel Jones and start finding other options. Um, So, but I think three years is probably the right time. So I think if you go any earlier than that, especially for these teams who didn't have to give up anything to get the quarterbacks, I feel like it's just like you're giving up too early and, you know, you need time to be able to build an offense and develop a team around them. Um, Whereas if you start getting into four to five years and you're still mediocre, then it's like, okay, you really should have been looking for a quarterback before that. And you're just wasting your time. So now that being said, if I look at a situation like the San Francisco 49ers who gave up a lot of draft capital to move up to get Trey Lance, that in my opinion would be cause for trying to hold out a little bit longer on them, maybe like four to five seasons, just because, you know, you gave up all this draft capital and all this, you know, all these picks just to move up to get him. It's like, you need to make sure that you can get everything out of this investment that you can and so because like if they were to give up, you know, in two seasons on Trey Lance, then I would see that trade that they made as an absolute failure. Like, it, you know, it, it could turn into a loss later down the line if they have to give up on him after four to five seasons. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's better to take an L than take a failure. <laughs> no kind of a quote that is. But <laughs> it would just be a, a total failure, in my opinion, if they were to give up on him after two seasons. Um, just because of everything they gave up. So that would be my stance on it. Like I said, it's just three seasons if you got them because you were bad the the previous season, and four to five if you had to give up a lot of draft capital to get them. So, Zach, tell me about what you think on this debate. Yeah, I liked what you said at the start. Like, every situation is different, I think, when it comes to this. Like, there's no formula. There's no, like you know, book, you know, manual that you go by, okay, after this many games, if he doesn't have this amount of stats and this amount of wins, we need to move on. Like, there's, you can't do that with these. These are all individual players when it comes down to it. But what I would have to say when I would give up on a guy, I mean, it's different because, you know, you have all these weird situations like Dwayne Haskins, for example, like, after two years, the football team, like he had the off the field stuff going on as well as on the field looking bad. It made sense for them to move on from him when they did. Um, but what I would say is the most important thing in my eyes for determining when you should or shouldn't move on from a QB is especially in the first couple of years, it's you got to use the eye test with these quarterbacks um, for at least the first two seasons. I mean, you can see right away, like last year, you could see with Burrow and Herbert the way that they played, that some of the throws they were making, like don't look at their whole body of work. They're going to throw interceptions and lose games and they're on bad teams. But you can see moments in games where they make throws that are like, wow, that's a special throw right there or, or some some sort of play, crazy play that they pull off like, if they show flashes of brilliance, you know you have the guy, and then you just have to completely support um, and, and work towards building that guy. But on the other hand, if you don't see any of that stuff going on the first two years, I mean, it's really, really tough, in my opinion, not to move on after two years if you don't see any of that. And especially, it's where you're at in the draft, uh, because there's sometimes where teams will have a guy that's maybe on their team. Maybe, maybe he's entering their third season and they're a bad team and they have the number three overall pick in the draft. Then it gets really tricky because then you're like, do we give him an extra year or do we want to go and draft this new guy, you know, who's coming out? And I'd have to say most of the time, like a a vast majority of time, in my opinion, it seems like, if you're in that situation, you should draft the quarterback because it's very rare that these quarterbacks leave teams, these young QBs that leave teams and go somewhere else and play well. 
it just doesn't really happen. Like for example, Josh Rosen with the with the Cardinals, he never he never panned out in Miami. Um, Sam Darnold this year uh, with the with the Jets and now with the Panthers, like he's not panning out. Um, I'm sure there's some more examples and stuff, but it just seems to me that these quarterbacks, if they don't work the first couple years in that situation, they're not going to work anywhere. Um, so that's when I think, okay, you should, you should really get an idea. I think after that second year, don't really look at the wins and stuff, but just if, if you see, if you know, you have the guy, if he makes those throws that only he can make, then you got to stick with him, uh, for a couple years. But you know, it's different in every situation. Like if you have a high draft pick because the team's been playing bad, then it's something you seriously have to consider, in my opinion, to to go back and draft another one. Uh, because it, these guys, you know, you need a star. You can't you can't rely on an average quarterback. You have to have a star quarterback to win. So those are my sort of thoughts on the situation. But I'm curious to hear uh, what Eric's got to say about this. Yeah, you guys. You guys bring a lot of uh, excellent points to the table. I like how y'all laid everything out. Um, for me, my thing on it, no matter whether I've given up a bunch of draft picks or whether I was at already at pick number one or two or whatever, like my thought process on it is give two years on it and then evaluate where they're at you know like zach said i mean you can't necessarily just look at the number of touchdowns or the number of interceptions or you know wins and losses you you can't necessarily just go by off of all of that but what i would look at after the second year you know are you making progressions are you getting better at reading defenses are you getting more accurate with your passes? You know, like Zach said, are you are you just showing flashes of brilliance? Are you, are you making these throws that it looks like most quarterbacks can't make? And if you're doing if you're doing stuff like that, then I'm willing to stick with you and give you more time. But if you're not, if you're still making the same dumb mistakes, like staring your receiver down and throwing it to him even if he's in double coverage or you know not recognizing the pressure and holding the ball too long and taking too many sacks or you know if you're constantly doing stuff like that then I say okay like you're not you're not going to be the guy for the team you know we need to move on so I am willing to give quarterbacks a good full two years like for some people that may not be enough time I know there's probably there's some people out there that are really impatient and think only one year is enough. I'm not going to be that, you know, I'm not going to be that crazy with it. But, but like what I want to see is like, are you getting better? You know, do you have the tools to be the guy? So that's where I'm at on it. I mean, I, I'm sure Zach would agree with me here as Jags fans. You know, watching Trevor. I mean, you know, like in his first couple games, I mean, he looked really bad. I mean, he had a lot of bad interceptions that. Uh, you know, he, you know, had took too many sacks, you know, he was, and it wasn't like the interceptions were like, Oh, it bounced off the receiver's hands and the DB caught it. I mean, he was making really bad decisions, Mm -hmm. but then it seemed like it started with that Cincy game. You know, he was getting smarter. If there wasn't anything there, he was throwing it away. He, if he had a lane to run and nobody was open, he would run and pick up first downs. Like you can see that he's getting better. So like that's what I want to see in my quarterback. If I'm a GM of a team and I draft a guy, I want to see improvement like that. Now, if after two years, if say Trevor was still making those horrible throws like he was in the Texans and Broncos games in week one and two, and you know just forcing the issue too much and making terrible decisions then it might be like okay we we probably need to move on but so that that's kind of my opinion on it I mean obviously like the guys touched on the beginning I mean every situation is different you know so it it really is by a you know individual per QB basis but but that's my kind of rough draft outline of what I look at when I decide on whether to give up on a quarterback or not well I guess since uh <clears throat> you guys were I agree in there. I guess I'll 
let's see, I have a question for Zach, but I'll respond really quick to the, uh, um, <clears throat> like the two years thing. I will say just for me, I guess I'll just say it, you know, I just think two years is like, I agree with what you're saying that like those first two years are important, but I feel like, you know, there should be some sort of, some sort that yeah, I can't talk some level of, you know, okay. If you're evaluating this guy and after two seasons, he doesn't look that great then it's kind of like you need to give him an ultimatum in a way like, okay, like this is the situation. Like we're going to stick with you for one more season. Like, and if you don't produce that season, then that's then like, just let them know that like, that's it. We're going out because I mean, if I have to give an example of a QB that looked like they might not pan out, then after two seasons, I would use Josh Allen because I mean, after his first two seasons, he, I mean, like he looked okay, but the Bills had a good team around him for the most part. Like, their defense was really good. And, I mean, but all he could really do was run it, run. Like, his accuracy was horrible. He was making terrible decisions. And I think that's probably what happened. Like, the Bills probably came to him and, like, gave him a little kick in the pants because you saw all the work that he put in in the offseason. And then all of a sudden, year three, he turns into an MVP candidate, and he's still looking good this year, too. So that's why I feel like two years is maybe slightly too early but I do have a question for Zach because I know you mentioned you know drafting another quarterback if they don't pan out in your opinion do you think it would be wise to okay so if I have a quarterback who's not working out after two years and I get in a spot where I can draft a good quarterback is it time to uh, would you fully commit to that quarterback or would you start putting the those two quarterbacks in a position battle so you're saying if I if it after two years I was still unsure, well, um, okay, and I well, had a top draft pick. Yeah. So like, okay. So I guess I'll I guess I'll use names as an example. So let's say okay. with um, uh, what am I trying to say here? Like, okay, let's just use um Daniel Jones for example, right? Let's say he's like yeah. two years in. Okay, so Daniel Jones isn't looking good. I have a high draft slot. I can take you know Trevor Lawrence with my first pick. Would or well, okay, maybe let, let me not use Trevor Lawrence because he's like unique. Okay, <laughs> That's like I can obvious. Ta- yeah, yeah, I can take Zach Wilson with my pick. Okay, do I now fully commit to Zach Wilson and put Daniel Jones on the bench and just say forget him, whatever? He's going to be the backup a hundred percent, or do I give him a chance to fight for the job, like put them in a position battle? Honestly. It might seem crazy to some, but I would put him in a position battle because here's the thing is like QB getting a star quarterback is so hard. You know, there's 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 a lot of good ones, but there's not many stars. Uh, I would it just increases your odds that one of them is going to going to be the guy. So and and that's the thing, too. It's how you build your team. You know, we had this debate once, I feel like, where it was like QB first or team first sort of approach. Um, and the, and I, I think you got to get the QB first because that's that's harder to get, in my opinion. Um, you know, you can you can fill in the rest of your team. But if you don't have the if you don't have the quarterback, like the quarterback can carry you at some points. Like, you know, so there's sometimes there's teams that just straight get carried to the, to the playoffs by the quarterback. I know there's sometimes teams carry the quarterback to the playoffs, but long term, I'd rather have the quarterback. So I would take the chance that one of them will work out and I would put the competition battle and I would draft uh, Wilson there. Okay. Eric, what about you? Uh, what would you do in that situation? Cause I guess if I had to quickly say my point, I would fully commit just cause I feel like position battles are, I feel like that hurts the team, but Eric, what would you, your opinion be on that? Yeah. Well, going back, like, you know what you said about giving like the ultimatum, <laughs> like what I would do for the ultimatum is, you know, not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily just say like, okay, you know, if you're not better in year three, like we're going to move on. I would say, okay, you've struggled in the first two years. So we're going to bring somebody else in. And I wouldn't necessarily draft a quarterback, but I would bring in like a veteran guy, you know, like this year, somebody like a, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone like that, Andy Dalton or somebody like that. Be like, if you want to, I do feel like putting two like top, draft picks like a Zach Wilson and a Daniel Jones in that example together might not be good but like I would bring in a veteran and be like okay if you want to prove to us you're the guy beat out Andy Dalton for the starting job and if you can do that I'll give you another year 
But if you can't, we're going to roll with Andy Dalton and then you're going to have someone or something like yeah, that. <laughs> we'll probably have to trade you or something. Like, I, I think that would be, a, I think that's a fair ultimatum because I feel like, like with Connor's example, like that could motivate them. Like that might have been what happened to Josh Allen. But I feel like what would really motivate him be like, look, we're bringing in someone else. So if you want to keep the job, you need to prove it like that. And this is how you're going to do it. Because if you don't have any real competition, the quarterback could still be like, well, yeah, that's know, true. Some like Jake Luton is the backup. They're not going to put him in for me. <laughs> you know, like, and he made a but OK, like Ryan Fitzpatrick's coming in like he's been a you know decent starter at times throughout his career. Like I better work. You know what I mean? But. I guess if it was that specific example, though, if we were, like, bringing in a Zach Wilson, like, I do kind of agree with Zach. Like, I would want to do the QB battle. Like, I, you know, just like with the veteran thing, like, prove that you got it. Like, I'd tell the, you know, the current quarterback, like the Daniel Jones, like, you know, we, we want to believe in you. Like, we don't, we'd rather Zach Wilson come in and learn. Like, we want to believe that you're the guy, but you, you know, you got to show yeah. it. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's my that's my stance. All right, well, good talks, good talks. I thought that was good. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and preview some Week Eight games going forward, and I'm going to go ahead and let Zach take this first game, the Thursday night game. Yeah. So uh, for all the criticism Thursday night football gets on how bad the matchups usually are, I think this one nationally is going to get a lot of attention. Green Bay at Arizona is the game. So two teams. You know, only one loss in between these two teams. Arizona still undefeated. Green Bay just has that one loss. Um, and this is going to be a, a real test, I think, for both teams. Maybe haven't had super difficult schedules so far, um, especially with the Packers. I mean, they're, they play in a division, a pretty easy division, uh, with teams like the Bears and the Lions and stuff. They're, they've had some easy matchups. Uh, so this is going to be a good game because I think these – these two teams, like, in most people's eyes, you know, power rankings, if you're looking at it like power rankings, not official standings. In the NFC, I would bet most people have the Rams and the Buccaneers and maybe even the Cowboys ahead of these two teams, like, if they were to play right now for the playoffs. Like, no, most people would take the Bucks or the Rams ahead of these two teams, I would think. But... Um, so this is, this is a good chance for one of these teams to win and prove themselves. Um, matchup wise, I think I'm going to pick, I think I'm going to pick the Cardinals in this one. I mean, Thursday night teams, they always, the home team always has that bigger advantage with the shorter week, not having to do the travel. Um, in Arizona, I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of them all year. I think, I think they, both teams have, I think bad questionable coaches at times but uh, that's something else i remember when i got in a in a war with people on twitter about green bay's coach but uh <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna go arizona if i give a uh if i'll give a score prediction on this one i'll say i'll say something like 27 23 arizona uh eric what about you yeah i i really liked what you said about the the home team having the advantage in these Thursday night games. I, I think that's going to be the biggest difference here. I don't really have too much else to say on the matchups. I, I mean, I will say out of all the games this week, ironically, normally the Thursday night games, like the worst game of the week or one of the worst games, but it might actually be the best game of the week this week. So definitely going to do what I can to check it out. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Arizona. 24 21 connor what are your what about you yeah so i'm gonna make it a three for three taking arizona here i just think arizona matches up better against green bay just because i mean both of these teams have had shaky defenses at times um i know the cardinals have had a hard time getting their offense going but i definitely think that the the packers they'll be able to get it done against them um you know kyler murray's been playing great i just think the big key for the Cardinals in this game is just they need to start getting the running game going because I think it's like it's fine when you're playing teams like Houston and, you know, some of the other teams they've been in the Jaguars if you don't get the running game going. But, you know, I've been looking at their stats running the ball and it's like, you know, James Conner and Chase Edmonds will have a combined like maybe like 
12 carries and like 60 yards between two players. So it's something they really need to get going, but I think that they can match up well against the Packers and I'm going to go Arizona wins this. I think it'll be a shootout, honestly. Um, And I think Arizona wins 38 to 35. And I'm unfortunately not going to get to watch it because I'm going to be at a hockey game (laughs) during that time. But uh, hopefully it's a good game for y'all's sake. Um, But now we're going to move on to the next matchup. Very familiar matchup for me. Happens twice a year, every year. Uh, Steelers at the Browns. And, you know, it's definitely interesting because, you know, it's a bit different for me, at least these past couple of seasons, because normally, you know, I see this on the schedule and I think, oh, Pittsburgh's going to blow them out. Like, that'll be an easy win. Um, But the teams have definitely turned around. Cleveland's gotten better. Pittsburgh's gotten worse. Um, But this definitely is interesting just because of how banged up the Cleveland Browns are. Because honestly, if Cleveland was fully healthy, then I would be quite surprised if the Steelers were able to pull off this game. But the Browns, they're really banged up right now. Baker Mayfield is going through. He's going to have to get surgery on his uh, non-throwing shoulder. It is his non-throwing shoulder, but, you know, it still affects the quarterback, whether it's throwing or non-throwing. You know, Nick Chubb's been banged up. Kareem Hunt's going to be missing time. Um, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry have both been hurt at different times. The offensive line's been banged up. A lot of their DBs are banged up. Like, the Browns, they're kind of like how the Ravens were before the season started with injuries. Um, But then you have to look at the other side with the Steelers, and, you know, they've been playing better football recently. Um, The run game's finally starting to get going. Najee Harris, I think, right now. I mean, the Steelers are on bye this week, so there's no way to – I don't know where he stands now. But at least going into this week, Najee Harris was eighth in the league in rushing yards, which – you know, obviously isn't super fantastic, but still top 10 for a team that was last in the NFL in rushing last year. So, um, you know, they're definitely starting to get that going. Big Ben looks like he's making better decisions. Um, the Steelers offense is starting to get away from that, you know, quick passes on every play. They're actually starting to go deep more. And I mean, the defense is just as good as ever. TJ Watts a beast. You know, I'm really interested to see um, once again, this matchup, you know, Who's going to come out with bragging rights? Is it going to be TJ Watt or is it going to be Miles Garrett? Um, But so if I have to give a prediction for this game, I think it's going to be really close. But I am going to go ahead and pick the Steelers to win. Um, You know, I maybe if the Steelers hadn't started looking better, I would have gone with the Browns. But with how banged up they are, I'm going to take the Steelers on the road. It's going to be a low scoring game. I think the Steelers win 20 to 14 Eric what about you yeah I, I agree with everything you said 100% here I mean if this was like week one I'd be picking the Browns like I would you know I, I would feel like it would be a pretty safe and comfortable pick but they just have so many injuries and like the main thing for the Steelers is Big Ben has been playing better I mean the first few weeks of the season he was looking like one of the worst quarterbacks in the whole league but they've gotten better with their game planning and big ben's playing better their defense is still really good and i just cleveland just doesn't have enough on offense right now i mean they they did manage to beat denver but they struggled in that game and denver almost came back and won so i just i just can't trust cleveland right now so i'm gonna go pittsburgh I think it'll. I don't think it'll be as close as Connor thinks. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh 27-17. Zach, how about you, man? I know you're the the Browns supporter on the podcast. What do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Browns uh, as well, or not as well. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm gonna pick the Browns. I I think you guys aren't gonna aren't giving Case Keenum enough credit here. I mean, the guys played around before. Like you know, this isn't. This isn't some loser who's got like a 0 and seven record as a starter. Like you know, he's he's played some games. Um, and the thing too that that's really helping Cleveland out is their uh, offensive line. I still think is really good. Uh, Dearness Johnson, former USF Bull, had a big game on Thursday. So that's the thing is like I, I'm confident in Cleveland's running game still being there without Hunt and Chubb. Uh, I think it'll be low scoring. I think 
the biggest mismatch I think really is going to be that D line of Cleveland's against Pittsburgh's offensive line. Like if they can stop Najee Harris, I think they can get to the big Ben. I don't think the Steelers as an offense are going to get enough points to, to quite enough win this game. I think it'll be close. My score prediction though, be 20 to 13 Cleveland. I think it's going to be a low scoring game, but I still, I still am a Brown supporter. So gonna gonna keep rolling with my pick here <laughs> would we call you a brown supporter or a browns believer i think would be all right uh, okay okay believe. the correct term <laughs> um but yeah eric why don't you take this last game yeah so i've got susan's team here the dallas cowboys uh getting ready to go up against the minnesota vikings and the cowboys have definitely been one of the biggest surprises for me this year I mean they've been playing unbelievably well and if it weren't for some missed kicks I mean they could have won that first game against Tampa and been undefeated right now and Trayvon Diggs has been running away with the you know defensive player of the year he's definitely been a obviously the key component to that defense getting better uh so I'm going to have the uh, Cowboys winning this game. But I guess one thing that will be interesting in this game for me, though, is that both of these teams had bye weeks this week. So they're both going to have a week rest. So I'm curious if, you know, if the teams are going to look, you know, refreshed and you know, be high energy and playing well, or if both of them being on bye, if any of the teams are, if either of the teams are going to be rusty. But I've got to go Dallas here just because Minnesota, I feel like, has been too up and down. They've had some really, even though it was a loss, I mean, they they really should have beat Arizona, who's, you know, undefeated right now. And they you almost beat Cincinnati, which at the time we didn't know. But you know, they've ended up being a really good team. So they had really close losses against them. But then at the same time, like, you know, they've had a couple of you know, kind of ugly losses. And then they, you know, like they they beat Detroit, but they struggled to beat them. It came down to a game winning field goal at the end. And so I don't know. I just, I just don't trust this Minnesota team. They, they're kind of, they're hot and cold, whereas Dallas has been staying hot. So I'm, I'm going to ride the hot hand and go with Dallas. Uh, even though Dallas's defense has been pretty good. I do think Minnesota will get some points on them. I think it's going to be a fairly high scoring game. But I'm going to go Dallas uh, 31-24. Uh, Zach, I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, funny funny you brought up the, the two-bye thing because I was actually thinking about that too. I was like, oh, Minnesota's been on bye. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dallas was on bye too. So that's, you know, that's fair <laughs> for both of them. A lot of teams on bye this past week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair for both of them uh, that they, they're playing each other both after their byes. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with Eric. I've got the Vikings winning the game. Um, I like what you said about Dallas, but to me, it's like who have they really played? I mean, they've got wins against the Giants, the Eagles, the Patriots. You know, they they had that close. You know, Week One was was a long time ago now, but you know, they did lose to the Buccaneers. Um, whereas Minnesota, you know, they've they've been in all these close, you know, competitive overtime gutsy sort of wins and stuff like. I don't know. I I just feel like it's a turning point in the season for Minnesota. It could go either way. It's it means a lot. I think it's going to mean a lot more to them. Um, and they are at home too, which I think will help. So uh, look for a big game from Dalvin Cook. And I'm going to say Vikings win. I, I do think this will be high scoring. I'll go with 35-30 Minnesota. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with Zach here. Um, I think people are really underrating the Vikings right now just because of the fact that they're only sitting at 500. But, I mean, they could easily be 5-1 and one right now. And the other thing to remember about those two games against the Bengals and Cardinals is that they were both on the road in those games. So, I mean, it's the Vikings have been there. And, you know, I think they just, other than that game against Cleveland, I think they've looked pretty strong. I mean, even when the Lions game, like, yeah, they let the Lions come back. But, you know, they still... I don't think there was ever still really too much of a doubt that they were going to win that game just because they got the ball back at the end. And, you know, they, the way their offense has been recently, I think that they, everyone knew they were going to be able to drive down and win. And the lions honestly are better than Owen five. I think we've talked about this a lot. I mean, you know, I guess I'll give Zach his shout out here for 
you know all right there calling, we go calling that the the lions rams game was actually going to be close which it was um the lions are a better team than their record so and the thing with the vikings really that's been the biggest surprise this year is kirk cousins has actually been playing really well um i mean i've been seeing these articles about like it's time for another kirk cousins extension um you know i don't oh, think God. they need to, i don't think they need to give him the kind of money they gave him last time but you know he's definitely making his case for the vikings extending him again um, and the thing with the Cowboys, like Zach said, I don't know. I just don't trust them just yet. I want to see them play a better team. Like I said, they lost to the Bucks. They were in a really close, they did beat the Chargers, but that was another like really close game. Um, you know, cause all of their blowout wins have been like, you know, like Zach said, the Giants, the Eagles, the page. And I mean, that Patriots game was close. Like they almost lost that. And like the Panthers who, you know, we, kind of as a podcast really overrated back in week two. So um, it should be high scoring. Like Zach said, I'm going to go Vikings are going to win. Um, I'll say mm, like 31 to 28 will be my score prediction. All right. So then moving on to the lock board. Now this is uh, not exactly been Eric and I's favorite segment here recently, um, but yeah, <laughs> We're going to go to the total standings. Um, Zach had the best week with four points. That brings him up to a tie for first place with 28. Eric put up a zero. Um, so like I said, that leaves him still in first place with 28, but now tied with Zach. I, like Eric, also had another zero. Um, so that leaves me with 22, still in fourth place. And Nate remains in third place, getting two points this week with 25 points. So Still are really close in the standings. Like nobody's out of it yet. Still only a six point gap between uh, first and first and last, but um, definitely a big turnaround for Zach um, after what happened at the start of the season. But so now we'll move on to the picks and I had the first pick of the week and, you know, I was, you know, just questioning my motivation and, uh, and will to go on with this with how many of these close <laughs> games I've had not go my way. I feel like I've had like five or six now that, you know, we're like overtime or super close. And this OK State over Iowa State game, like I definitely wanted to get this. There was a lot of value in it being that, you know, the number eight team in the country was seven point underdogs. Um, you know, I thought that could be a good five pointer. And, you know, especially with what happened at the end in that game when, you know, OK State had a fourth and two, they were trying to go down and, you know, score to either tie it or win it. And uh yeah, they got called short, even though the replay pretty clearly showed that the wide receiver was on top of the offensive lineman, and by the time he hit the ground was past the first down line. But the officials stuck with the call on the field, and um, yeah, OK State got screwed. So there was that that happened for me. My other two games, unfortunately, weren't nearly as close. Um, Army and Wake Forest, I mean, neither defense in that game could stop a nosebleed. The final score was like 70-56, to 56. I mean... Good God, how no defense was played at all in that game. Um, so unfortunately, that didn't go my way. Wake Forest still undefeated. And then Philadelphia over Las Vegas. I thought, you know, maybe the Eagles would have a chance to uh, take down the Raiders because, you know, the Raiders, you know, they had that sort of one game, like really good stint that Zach talked about last week. But I figured, you know, OK, now this is the week when it hits them. But, you know, maybe I shouldn't have put that much trust in the Eagles because the Eagles still aren't a very good team. So that didn't work out for me. So another zero, but you know, thankfully for me, I'll still be drafting second. So um, it's not like that one week where I went from like drafting first to third, because three of us got zeros. So um, Eric, what about your week, man? Well, my week also sucked. Uh, <laughs> I, this was the first week where we could have NBA games since this, this was the first week of the season starting. And uh, for one of my picks, I, went with the Pelicans over the Bulls. I I know the Bulls made some moves in free agency and everything, but I really felt like people were overrating them. And while the Pelicans aren't a great team, I thought the Pelicans had a chance to steal that one. And I wanted to pick that one because it was a five-point play due to the, you know, how big the point spread was. I think it was like seven and a half or something like that. So I really thought I was going to have a good chance to – steal five points there but no uh the pelicans got blown out so that was that was a fail and then uh 
we always you know talk about how like in these log boards how it seems like every year like each one of us has some team that's like an Achilles heel to us and for me right now that team has been Purdue uh, I picked them a few weeks ago thinking they could beat Notre Dame because of how bad Notre Dame has been playing and they didn't and mm-hmm. so then last week when they went against Iowa I was like well no they couldn't beat Notre Dame so they're definitely not beating Iowa but then Zach picked them and got five points off of that and Purdue like just beat the crap out of them so I was like okay well Purdue's got the hot hand they're going against Wisconsin who really has been pretty garbage this year like I felt like that would be a pretty safe pick I honestly I was surprised that per or that uh Wisconsin was favored I was like okay well give me Purdue that should be a easy three points and no, uh, they got blown out. So I'm like, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, that was my second pick after OK State and Iowa State. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty confident in that. That's why I had I had that as my first pick. And then I had the Pelicans as my second pick. But uh, and then for my final pick, this one, I will admit, was a little further down in my rankings. I did have a couple snipes, but still, like I put it in there thinking it could happen. And it unfortunately had to be my very own uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I, looking back on this, I don't really know what I was thinking. I guess because in my mind, like I know, I know OKC is not going to be good this year, but they were playing the Houston Rockets. So I was like, you know, if there's any game where I could pick OKC on the lock board, I feel like this is going to be it. And I, you know, Houston is just a team on paper that does not look very good at all. I think. They like only put up, I think in one of their first games, they only put up like 90 points or something like that. So I was like, man, OKC should be able to steal this. So even though it was only a two point play, I went for it. And OKC decided to go out there and lose by 33. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, my God, man. Like, how? I'm like, okay, like if it was like the Lakers or the Bucks or the Nets or something, like, you know, I, I wouldn't have, obviously I wouldn't have picked OKC in that situation, but I, a 33 point loss to them wouldn't really surprise me. But I'm like, how do you lose by 33 to Houston? Like they're terrible. <laughs> like oh my god, like it was crazy because I was at work the night when the uh, when both of those NBA games were going on, and I, I when I was finishing up my shift, I was like, well, let me go look at the lock board, and I saw that I had two reds uh, that I got both of those wrong. I'm like, okay, well I'm like. Let me see if they were at least close, and no, they weren't. So yeah, another, uh, I've now gotten a total of three points the last three weeks. Uh, my lead is gone, obviously now with Zach tied. So I've got some work to do, but I got the first pick next week. So hopefully that will help me. But uh, who, who knows, man? I mean, Zach's yeah. been Zach's been doing good with the last pick, and uh, that's true. That's a, yeah, you and I fall. I let I let you guys get the uh, get the obvious ones that we all want, and then have them. Be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. I yeah. you know swoop in with the others. Zach's, yeah. been, Zach's been getting some uh, diamonds in the rough. You know, I got to give some credit there. So Zach, uh, talk about your week, man. Yeah, thanks. So with this week, as as it's kind of evident on the board, all this red for some of these five pointers. And three pointers. I really didn't see a ton of good stuff out there, so I was heavy on the two point plays this week. That was what all three of my rounds were two point plays. Which you know, it's scary going into it because it's like, you know, you're you're setting yourself up for just a maximum of six points. It's like you know, any of these, you know, if someone gets a five pointer, they're probably gonna have a better week than you, um, and and you. You know, I have to get all three of yours right to do better than them and hope that they do worse. So I was coming into this a little nervous just based on the possibility of points that I could get. But once I saw the red uh, for the first two days of college and NBA, I felt pretty good about where things would stand after this. Um, But my picks were the Falcons over the Dolphins as a two pointer. Uh, Probably a really I think it was just like a two point spread or one point for Miami and I was kind of surprised it wasn't the other way around um super super tight game though uh Falcons kicked the game winning field goal as time expired to win the game so it really could have gone either way the Falcons had a lead most of the game let the Dolphins come back in it um and yeah it looked like it'd be a classic Atlanta choke job but they did get the final possession there Matty Ice 
throw him down the field to kick the chip shot field goal. Then I, with my second pick, uh, went over to college on this one. It was uh, Normally, I wouldn't go for a game like this, but I would pick San Diego State over Air Force as a two-pointer. Another case where, you know, I I just personally would have had the spreads the other way around and was like, okay, like San Diego State should win this game. I feel pretty confident about that, even though I don't know these teams very well. I picked them, and they did pay off for me in the end. And then the third round pick is the one that I got wrong in the NBA. So nobody ended up actually getting any points from the NBA so far. And that was the Indiana Pacers over the Wizards as a two-point game. Once again, another theme with my two-pointers was just, you know, straight up seeing easy, easy points in them. I was thinking could be an easy six-point week here, but... Uh, Indiana, they couldn't deliver in overtime. That that game was close, went to OT, and uh, and then they just kind of fell apart the last couple minutes, and the Wizards were making threes, and really disappointing to see that because that was the first game that, that happened for me. So I was like, oh, gosh, I'm only going to be getting a maximum of four points this week. But they pulled out, and... Turns out that ended up being the uh, top score of the week. <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, thankfully that that was the top score. And, you know, I've climbed back up to that tie in first place now. So really, really ugly start to the year for me. But I feel like I'm finding myself in a groove now with getting some of these picks right. Well, I think it's evidence that, you know, you know, none of us are out of it. Like I said, anything can happen at this point in the lock. But, you know, we're we're not at that point of the season yet. We're like, you know someone's having to go like almost all five pointers to, you know, go for broke no. and catch up. Like there's still a lot of time left. Um, that's, that's for sure. Just don't take our advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really clearly. Um, so, and then I'll just quickly go over Nate's here. Um, so he had his first pick was LSU over Ole Miss. Um, LSU got that big upset over um, Florida the last week. And so I guess, you know, he thought that, you know, they could probably do it again. Um, but unfortunately for him, Ole Miss kind of blew out LSU. Um, so he didn't get that right. Then he also went with Clemson over Pittsburgh. Um, Clemson's definitely not been as good this year. Pittsburgh has kind of been a surprise, uh, in the ACC coastal. A lot of people thought that it would be UNC and Miami at the top. Um, but Pittsburgh's at the top right now. And, um, that was another, like, I don't, it wasn't really a blowout, but Pittsburgh was pretty much in control the whole time. Um, so Pittsburgh, got, so he missed that one too for three points. However, Nate was the only other one to, other than Zach to get a point this week. He got a two pointer with Oregon over UCLA. Um, I was kind of surprised that, uh, I mean, I know Oregon is, you know, not been great, but I was kind of surprised that UCLA was favored in that game. Um, Cause they've had some ugly losses. Um, and, Unfortunately, and they, they, uh, Oregon almost let UCLA back in the game, but they were able to hold on and win, so Nate got two points. So heading on to next week, we have Eric is going to be drafting first, myself second, and the other two spots, Nate will once again be drafting third, and Zach drafting where he likes, apparently, uh, last. Which... Yeah, keep it up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is, you know, if we get you back to drafting first again, then you're going to fall off the map again. <laughs> Yeah, I might trade with you guys. I'll trade. Uh, <laughs> I'll trade a point for uh, for draft position. One point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so so okay. If you're going more than one position, though, then you're gonna have to offer me more points. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying I will. I will get. I will take points uh, to move down in the draft. If right, I right, no, right, pick, no. But, so. but that's what I was saying. Like, if you want to move down to pick four, then you got to give me three points to move down oh, three spots. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so then on to another sort of a what's been quite disappointing for us this year is the podcast fantasy league. Um, you know, we were playing against uh, House of Nerd podcast, I guess, um, this week, and unfortunately, another pretty bad showing for our team. Um, you know, the only good one so far has been Matthew Stafford with twenty eight. Um, you know. Um, Chase Edmonds disappointed again. Unfortunately, we have a severe lack of running backs and Austin Eckler was on by because I didn't really want to start him, even though they were playing Houston, but we had no other running backs. So, um, only 11 and a half out of him. Um, Debo San like Alvin Kamara still has yet to play Debo Samuel. I think he doesn't really have that many points right now no, either. He's got 21 uh, on Yahoo. So, oh really? Wow. I guess he jumped up because before he only had like seven. So, um, 
So I guess he got better, even though the Niners are losing that game. Yeah, he's got 20 points. So he was good, but then only 11.6 out of A.J. Green. I thought that would be different, seeing as how he's actually been kind of doing good recently, and they were playing Houston. Only 13.5 out of Kelsey. The Chiefs just completely, I don't know what happened to them this week. Um, Thankfully, it kind of hurt me a little bit in our Clutch Crew Sports League because I have a Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in that league, and they both did pretty bad. Um, So that was a surprise. And then only eight points out of Tyler Higby and only four points from the Panthers defense against the Giants of all teams. So um, lots of disappointing stuff happening, especially with, you know, our opponent had Cooper Cup who got 40 and Mike Evans got 31. I thought we were going to be in a good spot after Mahomes only got six, but, you know, shows what I know apparently. So unfortunately that drops us to two and five on the year likely means that we're probably coming to an end in this league. Um, I don't know. We just haven't been getting the points. And, uh, um, you know, it's one of those things like sometimes being two and five isn't terrible because you have a lot of points stored away. You've just been having a lot of bad breaks, but um, we're two and five and also not having that many points. So I don't know, guys, I guess we, uh, this is just, isn't our year. So I don't know, maybe we can claw back in later, but I'm not too enthusiastic about it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I we tried. <laughs> yeah, we, we. I mean, heck, you know, I will say, I think we just, we've just been the victims of a lot of underperformances. Because, I mean, even the, we've said this before, even the other podcasts were complimenting us on our team after the draft. So, I think we've just been the victim of uh, some unfortunate circumstances and players underperforming that really shouldn't be. So, sucks to be us, apparently. So, um, we're going to close out this podcast with Around the NCAA and there's been a lot, a lot of news coming out about conference realignment. So what's been going on is the Conference USA has been decimated in the past couple of days to only having five teams. So now six of those teams are going to be going to the American. It's not completely confirmed, but it's looking like three of them are going to go to the Sun Belt. So um, five teams left, and... I'll let Zach first talk about what he thinks is going to happen with these six teams that are going to the American, since he's the resident uh, person on the podcast that roots for a team in the American Athletic Conference. So, um, you know, what do you think is going to happen with these six new teams joining the American, if it's going to change or if they're going to be any good or not? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen is USF's record will look a little bit better. Um, (laughs) 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 No, shout out to them, though. They got their first first win in a long long time against temple uh not not in the series against temple but just in general the first win in a while against like a an fbs team so shout out to them for that but as as far as the american itself goes um here are the teams that they added uab uh charlotte fau university of north texas rice and university of is it texas san antonio yes okay um, so I think some of these are interesting, like UAB is a good school. Um, I think FAU could end up having like sort of a rivalry with USF now that UCF's leaving, like there's two Florida schools now that that's kind of their replacement and they've had some success before, you know, with Lane Kiffin there. Um, but in general, really with the American, from what I read, their goal with this expansion was to kind of continue what they were doing beforehand, which is getting teams in major markets, major cities. So that's what they had originally, and they still do. I mean, you know, they have USF, that's in Tampa. They've got Temple, which is in Philadelphia. You know, they had UCF in Orlando. They had Houston. They still have Memphis, Cincinnati. You know, these are big cities that they're trying to go for. And with these teams, you know, Charlotte, um, you know, Rice is located in Houston. You have San Antonio. You're you're adding some bigger markets, um, and that was really their goal. Now, as far as the quality of these teams, like that, this is where I made that joke at the start. Like Rice, North Texas, Charlotte, UTSA. You know who's ranked this year, but you know nobody had heard of them before this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously like i think connor when I you mean, saw it, you're like who are they like, yeah that was true i was like what like who's this team yeah. that's ranked right now? i think the road the road runners that's their uh name right 
Yeah, so you, you so. know that. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's I think I see that underneath the X I have over them right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roadrunner. So, yeah, it, it's it's I think it's a big risk personally because you're watering down the talent here with teams like this, and it's it's not something they had to do in my opinion. You know, they they could have tried to reach out, you know, to get some of these better teams from the Sun Belt, like. You know, Connor was theorizing App State would leave potentially, and some other teams out of the Sun Belt would leave, and it might end up with like a conference with better teams, you know, but maybe smaller markets and less money. But that's their approach, and I don't, I don't know. I think it's honestly, if I'm going to be honest here, I think they're setting themselves up to be the next uh, conference USA. Way too many teams, way too many inferior teams you know i i just don't like it personally i i i i can see some of them working out but you know there's already teams like eastern carolina and stuff in this uh conference and it's like yeah i don't know it's it'll be interesting to see how it works out like all this realignment stuff when it's all you know all settled and everything changes like it's gonna be real interesting i think to see see how these new conferences look but you know for my initial uh initial thoughts about seeing this not a fan of it for the conference i especially you know some other sports too you know these teams aren't that great in and yeah i don't know i I think some of the like uab fau i think are interesting ads but the rest of them i mean rice like (laughs) yeah that's those are my all all that's doing is making me hungry (laughs) <laughs> leave eric leave <laughs> i got some rice waiting for me from francis marines oh. <laughs> that was a bad um, joke i know i'm sorry oh no that was good well you had to say something in the segment about college football there you go <laughs> we got the eric's the eric uh college football knowledge there rice is a, got- is a good food Hey, Rice is in Texas, you know, so I had to. Get, yeah, I'd say something. Yep. I'd say something. That's the thing too is they wanted like I actually they didn't really know who, I actually Texas. didn't know who they were, believe it or not. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard of them before, only because I you know I lived here now. But yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway, I'll let y'all continue. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they that was another thing that like, you know they added Texas schools. That was their big you know thing they wanted to go in that direction. Uh, but let's hear about what Connor has to say about uh, what the Sunbelt Conference is doing in response to all this. Yeah, so, you know, like Zach said, I thought that maybe the American would try and bring in um, schools like Appalachian State and Georgia Southern and Coastal and Louisiana, some of these better Sunbelt teams to really kind of reaffirm their status as, you know, like the like the, the Power Six Conference. Um, but like Zach mentioned, other than, I mean, I know Zach thinks the FAU could be interesting, but really, in my opinion, the only good team I see out of that six is UAB. Like the rest of them, in my opinion, are just like, why would you want to go after those schools other than the market? So, um, but what the Sun Belt has done in response is the Sun Belt looks like they are planning on bringing in four more teams. Uh, three of them are going to be from the Conference USA. It has already been con- been confirmed that Southern Miss is going to go join the Sun Belt. Um, you know, they kind of have a little bit of a history with some of the teams there, and then. Um, like I said, well, not confirmed. It looks like Marshall, Old Dominion, and uh, James Madison from the FCS are going to join the Sun Belt now. I am super excited if Marshall does, in fact, confirm that they're going to join the Sun Belt because they have a rivalry with Appalachian State. Um, so I know they're going to want to bring them in. Old Dominion and James Madison give them some Virginia teams. Um, but really, I think what I'm looking for for the Sun Belt, because those teams are all well and good. I think Marshall and Southern Miss should be good ads. I know Southern Miss has struggled recently, but, um, you know, they're still a good program. I mean, it's where Brett Favre went, so, you know, they can still kind of hold that on their, uh, you know, use that as a recruiting tool. Like, this is where Brett Favre went, so come here. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, good, getting some more teams, get the Sun Belt to a bigger conference. I, know, I always thought 10 teams was a bit small, and it definitely was a bit of a top-heavy conference with, like, App State and Louisiana and you know, at the bottom, you always had like the same teams like Texas State and South Alabama and um, UL Monroe, like always at the bottom. So, but what I really want to see the Sun Belt do is I want to see them go after two more of these schools. Like, I want to see them go after UTEP and I want to see them go after Louisiana Tech because 
I know that they're not going to be able to get F. They don't want to go after FIU just because there's no other Florida teams in the Sun Belt Conference, so they have no reason to want to go after FIU. Um, but at least to go after La Tech, you know, we already have Louisiana Lafayette and Louisiana Monroe, so bring in another Louisiana team, and also UTEP because. I know UTEP's kind of been the one like real oddity here because they've actually been a really good team in recent years. And it was really surprising to them, I guess, to say the least, that none of these conferences have even really reached out to them to come join. And they're kind of just left there. So, you know, the Sun Belt already has Texas State. Bringing in another Texas school would be good, create a rivalry there. Um, And also, I think it would do good things for the Sunbelt West because the Sunbelt East has always been where all the good teams are, like App State, Georgia Southern, Coastal. Troy's been good uh, in recent years, whereas the Sunbelt West has pretty much been Louisiana and and nobody else has been good. So um, it would definitely bring a good presence to the Sunbelt West to bring UTEP in. Um, So, yeah, it's just I think the Sunbelt is really starting to make strides, and it's really helping them, in my opinion, that they've been – Really, out of these other four conferences, like them, the Mountain West, the MAC, and the Conference USA, the Sun Belt's really been the best out of those four, really, for the past three to four seasons. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, the Conference USA, if they were really good, they wouldn't be imploding right now. Um, and then, you know, the MAC's really just been average. And other than Boise State, the Mountain West has also been really average. So um, the Sun Belt's really starting to try and put themselves on the map. And if they can move to 16 teams, I think it'd be a really good move for them. It'd be a really good move for some of these other teams like Appalachian State and Louisiana, who never really kind of get the credit for what they do because they always think, oh, well, they play in the Sun Belt. Like, they're not playing a good schedule. So, you know, why are we going to give them credit for anything? But, you know, as you start adding more teams, it starts elevating you on the in the eyes of some of the people that like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're actually having to play games. So. Um, especially with James Madison from the FCS, like, you know, the Sun Belt has had a lot of success in bringing in FCS schools. I mean, you know, they brought in App State and Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina, who have all been powerhouses in recent years. So especially App State and Coastal um, recently. So they have a lot of success with that. And James Madison has been one of the best FCS schools in recent years. So it should be good for them. Now, the last thing to talk about with this is what in the world is going to happen to the conference USA now? Like is, are they going to be able to bring in other schools to keep the conference alive? Or are these other schools going to go and join other conferences? And if I'm being honest, in my opinion, I think the conference USA is done for because if, in my opinion, unless they were going to try and bring in a lot of FCS schools, I don't see any way that they could bring in enough schools to have a viable conference because I mean, if you look at the independents, there's only really five of them left because BYU is going to be leaving for the um, the Big 12. And we all know at some point Notre Dame is going to go and join the ACC. So that only leaves five independents, Army, UConn, Liberty, New Mexico State, and UMass. And New Mexico State and UMass are some of the trashiest schools in college football. So I don't know if that would really do anything for you know the Conference USA. So that really just leaves Army, Liberty, and UConn, and the conference can't survive with only those eight teams. So if I had to guess, you know, my guess is that UTEP and La Tech are going to go try and join the Sun Belt or the Mountain West, um, or at least UTEP will try and go join the Mountain West. I think La Tech makes a bid to join the Sun Belt, and I think Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee make a bid to go join the MAC. Um, FIU is the one that I I don't know what's going to happen to them just because – you know, the Mac and the Mountain West are too far away from them. And like I said, the Sun Belt doesn't have any Florida teams, so I don't see why they would want to reach out to them. So um, that's really the only question mark, but I think they're going to implode. Zach, what do you think is going to happen to the conference? Yeah, I think they're going to implode too, at least in name. I mean, it's possible, like, there might be some FCS teams that, that, I don't know how I really don't know how that process works, but I know it's it's probably not something that happens overnight. But yeah, it's it's that you can't have a conference with just what five teams or whatever, and it, I'm pretty sure that doesn't even meet the require. I mean, five. I think, they have teams. To have, I, think, I think they have to have at least ten now. Like yeah, I so I I think what's going to happen at least initially, I think they'll be independent. 
um, joining the other independents. They'll all, I mean, it won't be an official conference, but these teams are going to be playing each other. You know, like I, I guarantee you, these teams will still be playing each other, um, with, no matter what conference they're in or not. I, I, I just don't see why some of these conferences would want to suck up like a Western Carolina. Like, it's not like these conferences have to be nice. You know, this isn't like sharing your food, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Like the like, rice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like the rice. Like, you know, you, oh, you have to share. You have too much rice. Share some rice. Like, no, these, these conferences don't have to do that, you know. Um, why would you want to water down your conference with, you know, Western Kentucky? You know, like. I don't know. It, it's <laughs> it, it's a possibility, like Connor said. Like it, it seems like that could happen. But to me, I, I think initially, at least, we're gonna see a lot of these independents. Because I mean, there are independents out there. So it's you know not the it wouldn't be the first you know you know some of these independents are leaving. So now we might have some more. They'll just kind of be I, these schools are just honestly they're just gonna be here to play the big boys and get the checks. Like, I think that's really what's going to end up happening. Um, sad for their fan bases, obviously, that this is happening to them, but uh, really glad that I chose USF and not FIU. <laughs> <laughs> I would say at least USF has a home for the next, like, you know, five yeah. to ten years. <laughs> FIU, not so much. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Um, you know, had a lot of fun discussing the debate with you and, you know, talking about some college football. So hopefully you guys enjoyed. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport. Um, leave us any questions if you want us to cover them in a future episode. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast site you like to listen to. And until then, guys, we'll see you next time. Be clutch. Peace.